Hello, my dear colleagues. Welcome to another episode of Nailing the MCCQE. Today's episode, it's time to talk about... Uh-huh. One of the most terrible enemies of our life. And if you guys heard, can hear that sound effect, it's the sound of fire. Because we're not going to talk about burns. Terrible, terrible burns. I hate them. I'm afraid of them. Oh, damn. Burns. I have good burn and... It's like one of the most terrible experience. If you want to know what happened to me after burning, check out the episode, uh, the last one we recorded, and you will know that final destiny I got. So, yeah, let's get into it, guys. I'll be back uh, making more questions because I love, I like being more uh, inducing you guys to have an active learning Better than just a pa passive, passive learning. So I want you guys to use your memory, your your logic, your everything in your great brain to solve these troubles. And let's get into it. So what's the best initial therapy for those cows in fire? Any idea? 100% oxygen to treat small inhalation and carbon monoxide poisoning. If you guys heard the episode of intoxication, you probably nailed this question. Congrats for you guys for your loyalty to the podcast. Now you're on a nailer. Naily air? Okay, I'm just making up, making up some words. All right. Uh huh. How important do you guys think it is airway burn? So this is this sounds a bit new for me. Can the airway get born? Yeah, the answer is yes. It's the second most cause of death of from burns only. And only, only if there has been an airway injury. Well, yes, yeah, seems like these um, gases are so hot that it can burn the airway. But it's just the second most common cause of that. So the first one, I guess, is um, for those people who are brought from a fire, it's the poisoning of carbon monoxide. Okay, so what what are the criteria you should need to intubate a patient that is coming from a fire? <sighs> Sipping some water while you guys think, and now I go with the answers. First, if you hear estrogen. Horseness, horseness, horseness. Am I saying it right? 
Hoarseness. Yeah, hoarseness is this um, way to talk that is kind of like... Uh, how to describe this, guys? I'm going to ask to my special guest to describe this. Horse. You will sound breathy, raspy, or strain, strained. Yeah, like you, you're, you're sounding like... Um, Hola, hello, how are you? I came from a fire. Please help me. That's how the patient is going to talk to you. So I hope you guys remember this in the test. If you see in the criteria, horsening. Horsening is one of the criteria to intubate a patient that is coming out from a fire. Yeah. And this patient that comes out from fire, thank you, stop it, all right, can also have wheezing. How will you uh, experience wheezing? Wheezing. Wheezing. Wheezing means that to be breathing with a whistling or a rattling sound in the chest. Hmm. Yeah, whizzing will be like whistling in Spanish for sibilancias. All right, like kind of asthma, but not asthma. <gasps> Hola, uh, please, doctor. All right, so this is the first um podcast in the world that is having this uh, life interpretations of a patient get burned that just got burned all right and the four criteria that you're gonna have in this patient that you can intubate that he's coming from a fire it are burns inside nasopharynx or mouth so this is a patient which you have to do a whole inspection, physical inspection, physical examination. You can just leave him alone, like just um. You you can you, This is not like any patient, you know. Burns fire. You got to pay attention to to them. So what happens if airway burn is not present? What will be the next common cause of death on these patients that are coming from a fire? And we have already ruled out the carbon monoxide poisoning. Volume loss. Volume loss. I just had a a deja vu that we already talked about these burns. Oh yeah, yeah, we talk about burns and the difference between dying by a burn and dying because of monoxide carbon monoxide poisoning. Yeah, if you, you wanna hear that go to the to that episode guys all right so the volume loss is the next cause of death 
because of course burns and make the patient lose tons of uh, fluids. So fluid replacement is based on the percentage of BSA, body surface area burned. Okay, so how do we do the volume of fluid replacement? So where does that uh, magical number comes from? Uh-huh. Well, these, these equations are... Come on, man. They are like a dark hole in my mind because I always forget them. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, first, replace with ringer like lactate or like lactite, lactate. Lactate, lactate. I believe it's lactate. Lactate. All right, so replace with ringer lactate. Um, if ringer lactate is not one of the choices, the, the answer is normal saline. Normal saline is a, it's a very good friend of us. Give one half in the first eight hours, a quarter in the second eight hours, and a quarter in the third eight hours. All right, here's where the fun begins. So, imagine guys, you have, uh, let's say, you have uh, a container of orange juice, but actually it's ranger lactate. So, first, in the first eight hours, you're gonna drink the half of that orange juice. And the rest of the time, you're gonna divide that half that is left in, you're gonna have to split it in two. So a quarter, a quarter in the second eight hours and a quarter in through eight hours. All right. I may ask you these guys later to see if you guys remember my orange juice mnemonic. Mm -hmm. I'm preparing the next question, guys. Question or just reading? Let me see what I can make from this. I'm just going to read this because it's going to be a bit dense. So give four millilitres for each percentage of BSA burned. And this is where the, the, the equation um, comes from. Four millimeters for, per, for each percentage of BSA burned, including second and third degree burns. And this is for each kilogram of body weight. So you're gonna um, multiply, is that the way you say that? Multiply, yeah. You're gonna multiply the weight 
the percentage of body um, uh, burned and our magical number, the number four. Four is our number for burns. How are we going to remember that? Because the number four can look like the, the trident of the of who the devil the devil has a trident and this trident is the number four because this devil is uh, covered in flames and he wants to burn our ass our asses we're gonna say to him get the hell out of here then devil because we have ranger lactate and if we don't have ranger lactate we have normal saline and well yeah now let's talk about what percentage represent each part of our beautiful beach bodies uh, i still have the winter body and summer is coming so, let me ask you, how much uh, percentage represent uh, for the BSA net following surfaces? First, for the head, what's the percentage? For arms and for legs. Finally, chest or back. Tick, tock, tick, tock. Ready or not, I go here, here I go. So head represents 9% of BSA. For all the children with their big heads, you know, it's more, but who knows. If they don't mention it here, whatever. I'm sorry for you, children. Arms are 9% BSA each. So... This number nine is a friendly number for us because it's repeated in the in this whole thing. Nine in the head, nine in each arm, eighteen on each leg, and chest or back are eighteen BSA each side. Yeah, so this is the guy who's uh, he's got a big surface legs too. So I encourage you to make a draw to uh, make this more visual, visual guys. Or probably, you know what helps a lot? And I have heard from professors that this is something that is a, is a thing. When you um, try to memorize something and you do... Uh, Gestures is the word. Yeah, gestures, for example, head, and you put both of your hands in your head. Arms, you touch your arms, and you say nine, nine, legs, 18, 18, chest, and boogity, boogity, boom, boom, ba. You put hands 
here and there and that's gonna help your brain associate that movement with a memory something like that that have worked for me several times and well yeah i've been listening uh podcast about um learning french and this uh, teacher recommends that too and i tried this at a med school and well yeah i'm gonna stop talking bullshit guys okay i got a question another question you guys love it right Mm-hmm. I'm processing this information. And sorry, I'm not a robot. Okay. I got the question. How will you estimate... The per percentage uh, of BSA that could be represented by a patchy burn. Patchy burn or patchy burns. You know the answer? I'll spit it out right again. Patchy burns are not continuous. That, sorry, patchy burns that are not continuous make the percentage of BSA, have I say BCA? If BSA burn hard to assess, use width of the patient hand to make an estimate. So, what percentage represents each hand? Each hand width is 1% of BSA. So let's say you have a patient that is uh, I'm trying to remember I caught a case I saw. Okay, so there is a patient. Oh, this is a good case because it's kind of if it's it's mixed. The it's a mixed complexity. So it was kind of sad because this was a little girl, very little, poor hair. Guys, maybe this was one of the more miserable miserable days of my life. Because while I, while I was doing my internship in the pediatric hospital back home in Venezuela, so a little girl come with her parents. She's like five years old, probably less like four years old. And she got born uh, from for a, a how is it called? Oh, uh, hold on. So there was a cooking pot. This one probably of the size of a pasta cooking pot. And it's it was um, boiling and it uh, 
spilled all over the girl. So it was dramatic the way she was. So her head and her chest were covered. But just a, a half of a part of her of her belly, I would say half of her hand and not her back at all. Maybe a couple of spots in the back. So I had to uh, put the the topical antibiotic and this guy is the how is it called the plate and sulf sulfa and I'm I'm gonna translate with my own words the well it's it's here check out it's here in the book the name. Silver sulfadiacin, diacin, sulfadiacin, silver. Sulfadiazine. So sulfadiacin, I put it and I put the bandage and I got traumatized for the rest of my life. And thinking about how, how unfair is life that this girl probably with this fur or not, I believe it was second degree burn in his whole face and and big important part of her body i was just thinking how was she gonna live and well yeah uh, you guys know how early the percentage because i know it sounded like i was talking bullshit but i wanted you guys to make practice and calculate the total of the percentage so, I'm just going to be reminding you that the head is 9%, legs are 18%, each arms are 9, 8%, each chest or back are 18%, BSA each. And I'm going to give you an extra tip here is that you can divide the head in a front part and in a um, posture part and they will be 4.5% uh, ahead, um, I mean, <laughs> in the front and in the back it will be 9, po I mean, 4.5%. Additionally, you can divide the chest and the belly, the abdomen. Okay, let's talk my more technical, please. <laughs> Not the belly. Uh, so, chest 9% and abdomen 9%. 9%. So, how much did this girl have of BSA burned? Or affected. Okay, if you guys remember and were paying attention to the whole story, you probably have a number, a similar number to me. So face and chest counts for 
13.5%. If we count the posterior part of the head, it will be 4.5% more, which will be an approximately total of 17%. And if we count with the half of the hand uh, that we saw on the belly, well, that I mentioned that the girl had on the belly, so it will be 17.5%. All right, we made this calculation very easily. And, well, yeah. Here appears once again the... the um, how to say this? I believe the word is formula. Yeah, the formula uh, to... Calculate the fluid replacement. What it is, guys? Uh, you you should know it already. All right, here I go. Our number, favorite number for including the devil inside this equation is the number four, the number of the trident. Trident. You multiply that um, for the percentage of BSA burned and the weight in kilograms. So if we're talking about a girl who is like um, on scholar age, or no, she's per scholar age. Oh, Jesus Christ, I don't remember clearly how hard was the weight estimation for, for age. But um, let's say 15 kilograms. And she was burned 17.5% uh, of BSA. You guys can guess the, the total of fluid replacement. Guys, I'm very bad at mm, mental calculations, so I'm not sure if we could have a calc at the day of the test. Okay, but I'm having a very um, logical number here from the computer calculator. And it's, you guys have it? Okay, it's one liter and 50 milliliters milliliters which makes tons of sense for me and um, how are we gonna how are we gonna give this to her any of you remember what's the distribution of the of the load into the into the bloodstream into the how fast are we gonna administer this fluid replacement first eight hours we're gonna give her Mm -hmm. 525 milliliters and what are we gonna give her the rest of the eight uh, hours so the following eight hours you have to give her 
262.5 milliliters. And why are you gonna give her the next eight hours the same amount? 262.5 millimeters. Milliliters. No millimeters. No millimeters. Okay. Uh huh. So the short answer is oh man, this book always amazed me. It's amazing me because always wants to give you uh, something easier, something better to remind. So the short answer is give the largest amount of ringer lactate or normal saline listed as choice. It's probably the right answer. Cool. Alright, we have a question from the book, not from me. So you can trust this more than my damas um, questions. What is the most common cause of death several days to weeks to weeks after a burn? Little A infection. Little B renal failure. C cardiomyopathy. D. Lung injury. E. Montrition. And the answer is the letter A. Letter A. Infection. Because loss of skin. So there is a massive loss of body fluids and albumin. Special guest, special slave, can you please, um... Albumin. Albumin, damn, albumin. So, fluid loss is fatal. Fatal. So, it's fatal. Hold on, hold on. Fluid loss is fatal. I'm not saying it's fatal. If fatal. Because no, doesn't have to be fatal all the time. This guy will occur immediately. So this is the sequence of the um, this is the the sequence of the of the tragedy. In what order, tragical things occur, and what's the timeline? Well, I thought that first you have um. The lung injury. And that's correct, guys, because I'm reading at the end of the paragraph here, they say lung injury is an immediate cause of death. There you go. Back home, we will say suck that tangerine. Suck that tangerine means. Yeah, chupatesa mandarina, because that's something, an amazing fact we didn't know. And I just nailed it, and I feel so happy I did. So fluid loss, is, if fatal, will occur immediately. After several days, the loss of the protective barrier will occur immediately. Hold on, I'm sorry, guys. I just mistake the, the lines. I'm a, bit, I'm a bit dyslexic, but I promise that won't happen. Okay, 
After several days, the loss of the protective barrier of the skin leads to infection with staphylococcus. Mm -hmm. Rhabdomyolysis causes renal failure, especially combined with volume depletion, decreasing renal perfusion. But this is not the most common cause of death. And finally, friendly reminder, reminder, lung injury is an immediate cause of death. But from this paragraph, what I cannot understand clearly is that, all right, they mention the infection of Staphylococcus, but they didn't say how, um, how bad it can be that it's going to be the cause of death on the several days to weeks. But well, yeah, they don't see they don't they don't say anything against it. So I totally agree with with this cause of infection. What we're gonna do to prevent that, we will talk about soon. But so yeah, um, rhabdomyolysis is a bad stuff. Okay, yeah, we're okay with this. We're good enough, uh, fair enough. So, now, prophylactic topical antibiotics. This is a side note, guys. Uh-huh, so pay attention. Are routine, routinely used. So, what's the most um, common example of prophylactic topical antibiotics? And if you don't remember it, I'm going to send you a digital. Mm, what can I send to you? A digital tear from an eye. A tear coming out from uh, my crying because I just said in the case of the girl that I use silver sulfa. Diazine, diazine. That's the guy. And usually we don't have to use intravenous antibiotics. Good stuff. Good thing to know. And guys, I have great news for you. We have already nailed burns. What can be better than that? Celebrations are Come on, and well, yeah. Um, this this is great, man, guys. So we're we're improving. We're we're going farther every day. Okay, so it's time to talk about more heat. Things are still hot. Hot, 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 because we're going to talk about heat disorders. Everything related to being warm. But not being a worn or a worm. Being, being warm. Okay.
there is a crisis of jumping worms in North America, but I'm not going to talk about that. That's of another podcast. Okay, heat disorders. What kind of heat disorders do we have? Can we find in the human being in this complex and poor uh, animal that can suffer and suffer and suffer, just came to life to suffer? I'll give you a hint. There are four heat disorders. First, heat cramps or exhaustions. Secondly, heat stroke. Third, neuroleptic malignant syndrome. And fourth, malignant hypothermia. Hyperthermia. So, what risk and what can put you on risk of having all of these guys? Uh, for heat cramps and stun exhaustions. Okay, hold on, guys. Or I have a solution for this. Both heat cramps or exhaustions word that I have to check. Exhaustion. Exhaustions. 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 Hold them. Exhaustions. For heat cramps and uh, exhaustions and heat stroke, the risk you can have is or are, first of all, exertion. These people who is going out running, working out, who works out nowadays? Don't you know how much that can put you, put you in risk of having a heat disorder? Of course, I'm kidding, guys. I please beg you to go out and have some exertion. Do exercises are good for health. But well, yeah, people that go outside to expose themselves to high temperatures, that's the other high risk. And are the same people who go to work out in summer. Why, guys? There's so much fun indoors. There's so much fun with um, your TV, with a... Uh, uh, no, just kidding. But, well, yeah, take care of some and use sunscreen, guys. So, heat cramps and exertions. Um, now, let's talk about what's the risk. I want you guys to tell me what's, what puts you in risk of having a neuroleptic malignant syndrome. Antipsychotic medications. Oh, those times where I received classes of psychiatry and I was so deeply falling asleep.
but I love it. I always have always loved psychiatry and I had a great teacher. Very inspiring guy. Great professor. So, uh, antipsychotic medications. These guys um, screw your parasympath parasympathetic. Hold on. How you say that? Parasympathetic system. How do you say it? Parasympathetic system. Nervous system. So, and what? Now I should ask you, what are the risk factors to have a malignant hypothermia? And the answer is anesthetics that are administered systemically. Remember, guys, those good times reading about anesthesia and anesthesiology? We haven't done that in the podcast, but I did that on my in my loneliness on my own before, like a million days ago, when I started reading the Toronto Notes, and I died, and I died in the attempt. So, okay, let's go to the next question. How is the body temperature on these patients? Who's going to have an increased um, body temperature? And who's going to have it normal? I'm giving you time, guys, to try to think the question, the answer. So, the only guy that you can just sense a normal heat, uh, a normal uh, temperature, is with the heat cramps, slash exhaustions. For some reason, heat cramps and exhaustions are in the same. Um, chart guys in the same um, area so we're gonna talk about them like they are the same so the body temperature is normal but what about um, the other guys the other guys you you put a thermometer into them please not the mercury one we just talk about how is the how bad is mercury toxicity and you can see that their body temperature is elevated on heat stroke, on the neuroleptic benevolent syndrome, and in benignant hypothermia. And now, if you do a test of CPK and potassium level, what will be the result? CPK, what are we talking about? CPK. Hmm. Some Google results are for some stuff that is not really related to medicine. CPK is um the word for the uh, abbreviation for creatine phosphokinase. Creatine. 
Phosphokinase. Phosphokinase. So, you know what happens the same? Heat cramps and insertions have a normal creatine phosphokinase amputation level, whereas heat stroke, neuroleptic malignant syndrome, and malignant hypothermia have an elevated CPK amputation level. Next question will be, what's your treatment of these etiologies, uh, pathologies, disorder, heat disorders? So, how do you hit heat crumbs and exhaustions? Exhaustions. The treatment is with oral fluids and electrolytes. Or electrolytes. 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 So, how do you treat a heat stroke? It's easier because it's just IV fluids and evaporation. How the heck evaporation is a way to treat someone? Do you put him in a cooking pot like he's a pasta? Or no, no, makes no sense for me. Like maybe they mean meant that you you should put the IV fluids and leave the guy um lose the water through evaporation, and that way he was gonna cool down. Okay, so what's the treatment of neuroleptic malignant syndrome and malignant hyperthermia? So, guys, you can treat both of them with dantrolin. But this guy, dantrolin, it's only useful for malignant hyperthermia. Whereas for neuroleptic malignant syndrome, you, you can use further than dantrolin. You can use dopamine antagonist like bromocryptine. Bromocritin and cabergolin. Cabergolin. Bromocritin, cabergolin. I thought critin was from kryptonite, but no. Bromocritin is. I got you in the morning for those who. Uh, have a Latin background, but you can say here que broma, criptonita y que verga, because broma, verga, very keywords here, broma, cryptine, cryptine, and cabergolin, those guys are dopamine and agonist, dopamine agonist. And also you can use dantrolin for a mechanism that I don't really know. Re I don't remember how it works. I guess it com it, it's a com kind of a competitor in the um, oh in the binding um, receptors. 
And we're gonna cool down this episode. We're gonna put it cool because we're gonna put it cold because we have to talk about one guy that is totally the opposite we just talked. And it's good to know it know it here in Canada because he's right in the corner. Hypothermia. I have a good memory of it when I studied um, cardiology. And since, like, since I studied already cardiology, I know everything that is coming up here. And uh, you will see why. Hypothermia. The hypothermia. What to do? Look for an intoxicated person with a low body temperature. Why intoxicated person? I guess intoxicated people just... Yeah. It's going to explain it here. Unintoxicated people do not fall asleep outside in cold temperatures. So, um, that's why uh, people who is drunk, you're going to see tons of homeless, at least in Toronto. And I have been in Calgary, but I haven't seen any, uh, I didn't see homeless. Um. Maybe in Vancouver they had some, but here in Toronto there are tons of them. So these guys sometimes get drunk. They are smoking mm, something that is stronger than weed, and they fall asleep outside. But well, yes, yeah, something that is, someone that is coming out from a from a bar can also fall asleep outside because you don't have you are in an LOC. And, oof, man, I'm trying to quit alcohol for this because I don't want to be in risk of of, of dying in, a, in one of these tragical ways. So, what's the, what's the most common cause of death uh, from hypothermia? Do you guys know it? The answer is cardiac arrhythmia. So, the best... Initial step in someone that is uh, brought to you with hypothermia will be an EKG. So something I'm not seeing here is um, my favorite. Um, okay, I just I just made up that that mnemonic for this, but the way you're gonna remember the EKG in someone that is got uh Hypothermia is because you're gonna see a camel. Maybe they that they mentioned that word camel in the in Toronto notes. At least I I have always seen like this this wave. So the G waves. G or J? Hold on. We're talking about the letter. Letter J. The J. Yeah. yeah. The J waves are, by the blue J's, the J, J waves are where the QRS hits the ST segment. So there is going to be a, G, a J point elevation. And the way it looks like, it's like a camel. So imagine you guys have a camel right where you can see the... This guy, the 
the QRS complex. So the the R will be the will be the head of the camel. Then the neck comes and you're gonna see a hump that comes right after this neck. And that is the J point and that is net flowing, it's gonna be elevated and you're gonna form the J wave. So let's read the description here. Ah, and I want uh, to put that image of a camel draw that is um, in the middle of a cold thing um, to help you guys remember how, how to see an EKG um, on hypothermia. So... Hypothermia, this is the caption of the EKG they put here. Hypothermia results in marked elevation of the G point. This is not ST elevation or right bundle branch block. Oh, damn, the blocks are so crazy. All of these abnormalities normalized with rewarming. So she is the source or some Latin doctors. Juan Hernandez, MD, and Eduardo André, MD. That last one sounds a bit um, Brazilian. It can be Latin too. Well, anyway, Brazilians can be deemed Latin. So whatever. So, guys, um, we already did burns, heat disorders hypothermia we are so fucking nailing it yeah okay so let's talk about uh, a subject that is short and i love it because it's so interesting this episode has been one of the most funny of all because of the um, variety of situations that the emergencies can get you into and this is time to talk about drowning and please, my dear slave. Drowning. Drowning. She just confirmed that I said it right. Thank you, honey. So manage. How to manage drowning, guys? Any idea? Uh, the the only thing that comes to my mind is like make a. Uh, how to call a Heinrich maneuver. And you always see in, in beaches this and in movies that they do uh, CPR. Kind of weird, right? All right. And they made people breathe. Yeah, they, they administer. Yeah, yeah, this is pure show stuff. So, manage with airway and administer positive pressure ventilation. All right, so this um, breathing by mouth to mouth can work because that's positive pressure ventilation. So asteroids and antibiotics are not beneficial. Salt water drowning. What to do when with salt water drowning? This guy. This so S O B son of a bitch that acts like a 
congestive hair failure with wet and heavy lungs. Yes, I guess this dang water makes its way into the lungs because it's salty and it's disgusting. So what happens and what you can do with fresh water drowning? It causes hemolysis from sorption of hypotonic fluid into the vasculature. 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 What the fuck? Okay, so causes hemolysis. So be aware of anemia on this fresh water running, guys. Steroids are always the shell of the mango. I told you guys. It's a trap. They are a trap. So, yeah, so hemolysis from sorption of hypotonic fluid into the vasculature. Okay, whatever. Um, one tip here, side note. Wrong answers for drowning include, of course, asteroids and antibiotics. How the heck are they related to this? No way, man. This is congestive hair failure, hemolysis, and star... Putting your mouth, kissing those drowning people because you're gonna save them. As it is, it is a positive pressure ventilation. There is not CPAP in a damn beach in the world. And if it exists, that's a creepy beach. I and mean, you should not go there. <laughs> okay, guys. So I'm happy we have gone this far and I don't wanna make it longer. And thanks for listening. This and I wanted to mention that this pod, this podcast isn't sponsored by any anyone special special, but it's sponsored with all my love. The best sponsorship I ever had is the love I have for you guys and for telling you these stories. And thanks for listening. Keep doing that great work. And keep nailing that damn test. See you soon.